Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Greetings in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, I was just asking the Lord, what should I share on? And I got the word, uh, the keys of the kingdom. So let's just start with a word of prayer. Hallelujah, Lord. I just thank you, Lord, for bringing us back together to that we can meet each other. Thank you. After such a long time, Lord, we're coming back and worshiping together. We praise you. We thank you. Thank you for keeping us safe in this season, Father Lord. It's just so good to see everyone back healthy, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I just commit what I'm going to share today in your hands. Holy Spirit, speak through me. Holy Spirit, this is your word. And I just pray, it's not enough that I just share a word, that that word will just unlock something in everyone's heart. And I just pray that you will bring a change in their lives, Father Lord. Show them areas where they need to change, Lord. And I just submit this word to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So over the last year, towards the end of last year, I, uh, I was praying for a number of things, some personal things and some things for the church. And uh, many times when I was praying for those things, I was thinking, oh, should I give up? It's, there's no answer coming. Uh, what should I do? But every time the Lord gave me the verse, Isaiah 22, 22, and it says, the key of the house of David, I will lay on his shoulder. So he shall open and no one shall shut and he shall shut and no one shall open. Oh, then I thought, okay, that means I just have to keep on praying. Because if the Lord has opened a door, it will be open. And I did see a number of breakthroughs and answers to prayer. So I was just thinking, what is a key of David? A key indicates control or authority. Therefore, having the key of David would give one control of David's domain. That is Jerusalem, the city of David, and the kingdom of Israel. A key in, the, in olden times, there'd be fortresses around the cities and they would have gates with a lock and it would be locked when, you know, to prevent enemies from coming in. And uh, many times the, this key would have, or a duplicate key would be given to people who were, you know, esteemed amongst, uh, by that city or probably say, uh, business people who had done a lot of business with them, and they'll say that, okay, you can have the key. Because that, that meant that that key symbolized that there was freedom for that recipient to enter and leave the city, as well as a trusted friend. So that was kind of symbolic. Even nowadays, you see in some towns, you probably would have heard in different countries, they give the key of the city to well-known or... or uh, uh, very uh, uh, distinguished citizens in that particular place to honor them. So that is not a real key. There's no more fortresses, but it's a, a symbol of the authority of the respect. So the key is a sign of authority. Now let's look at the keys of the kingdom. If you look in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, uh, God says, And God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So just imagine when God created everything. And after that, he says, okay, Adam and Eve, you take rulership over this. So he gave them the keys. 
And what the kingdom that he gave them was perfect. Everything was so beautiful. But what happened, Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they gave that key over to Satan. And when they gave that key over to Satan, what came into that kingdom? There was evil and diseases and so much chaos. So they gave that key back to Satan. Uh, to Satan. And then what did God have to do? God later sent his son, his son to get back the kingdom. So Jesus, when he came, he always talked about the kingdom. He would introduce the kingdom. And uh, he kept on preaching about the kingdom. And by his death and resurrection, Jesus took back those keys. And now who has those keys? If Jesus And Jesus took back those keys, we know, because the authority that he got. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So he has had the keys. And you also see in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, uh, that the verse that I spoke of, Isaiah 22, 22, was actually speaking about the Messiah coming. And Jesus tells the church of Philadelphia, I've got the keys. I'm the one who has the keys. And the doors that I open, no one can shut. And the doors that I close, no one can open. So he definitely had the keys. But then we see in Matthew chapter 16, verses 17 to 19. Matthew, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus is talking to the disciples. And he asks uh, Peter, Peter, who do you think I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And in answer to that, Jesus answered and said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So he's saying, Jesus tells Simon, you didn't get to know this by yourself. The Lord, the Father gave you this revelation. And then he says, "Um, I say to you, Peter. And the word for Peter in Greek is Petros, which is actually a small stone, a detached stone. And he says, on this rock, which is another word, Petra which is a bedrock, a huge rock that is connected to, you know, connected to something else. So it doesn't get dismantled easily. So he's saying that to you, Petros, you small stone, I'm telling you that on this Petra, Petra, that is the revelation of who I am. On this revelation, I will build my church. Whose church? My church. And that word church we all know is ecclesia. So Ecclesia is not a gathering. It is a general assembly of people, a kind of a a council of people who decide what happens. So Jesus is saying that I'm going to give this key. I've built this, uh, you know, uh, this truth on my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So that means that the gates of Hades is all the strategies and all the plans of hell cannot prevail against my ecclesia. You know, in the olden days, uh, in around cities, they would have meetings at the gates. And these meetings would be very strategical. So the same way, around heaven's, hell's gates, there are meetings happening. 
where the enemy is trying to plan everything against us or the world, trying to snatch every, you know, the people from getting to know Jesus. And this, the enemy camp is strategizing. But Jesus said, those strategies will not prevail against my ecclesia. And then he goes on to say, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So he says, I will give you the keys. So a lot of, uh, I think you would have heard a lot of jokes and stories about how uh, St. Peter is carrying the keys. And or even if you go to heaven, he's got the keys to heaven. So that's how a lot. But this, this verse is not just for Peter. It is for all the disciples because uh, about binding and loosing, the same verse is written in Matthew 18 where he talks to all the disciples. And it's not only to those disciples. He's telling each one of us, I have given you the keys. Yeah. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So the Jews knew, uh, use this term of binding and loosing uh, very commonly because they would go for, to the rabbis with their issues regarding the law. And then the rabbis would say, oh, you are bound in this area or you're loosed in there. They were very familiar with this term. So to say that you're bound by this law means you would have to come under this law. But if you say that I'm loosed by this, uh, you're loosed under this law, that means you wouldn't have to obey. You were free. So to bind would be to pro- prohibit, to prevent from doing, while loose would to set free and permit to do. And uh, in other versions also we say, when you say whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, it actually means, uh, it says that, will have already been bound in heaven. That is, um, heaven has a standard where some things are prohibited and some things are allowed. So whatever is allowed in heaven, you can allow in earth. Whatever is bound or uh, prohibited in heaven, you can, allow, you can prohibit here. That is the authority that we have. Yeah. Um, so Jesus said, yes, you have the keys. Who has the keys? Very, very uh, pathetically. Very few people are saying we have the keys. Not very convinced. You have the keys. Those people, they have the keys. Do you have the keys? Yeah, we have the keys. We have the keys. Truly, God, Jesus has given us the keys. Keys are used to lock or unlock doors, not just to keep. I think most of us in the church, we just keep the, uh, the keys in the pocket. And we don't do what we need, what we need to do it. But the keys are to be used to open doors and to shut doors. I remember in olden times, uh, the grandmothers would have a bunch of keys. And you would have seen in movies also, a bunch of keys in there, uh, this thing here. And everyone would try to get those keys because all the authority, all the good things, even the, the nice food items were locked in those days. Because with the Amachi's uh, keys. So that is how valuable those keys are. And the Lord is saying that you have those keys. Uh, when Jesus says that you have the keys of king, the kingdom, it means that when you open the doors, the kingdom of heaven will invade earth. When you close the doors, the kingdom of heaven is prevented from. Yeah, that is really the meaning. So remember, you have the, we have the keys. Now, I'll just show you two instances in the Bible where you see people binding and loosing. Okay, uh, if you take Luke chapter 11. That's about uh, how Jesus visits uh, a Pharisee's house. And he is going to have a meal there. 
And usually they have to have, uh, ceremonially, they have some traditions of uh, washing their hands. But Jesus didn't do that, and he just went and ate uh, the meal. So the Pharisee was kind of surprised. And Jesus understood that. And Jesus told the Pharisee, you always bother about the outside of the cup, but you're not worried about the dirt inside. You, uh, you give your tithe and your offering, which is good, but you forget the love of God and justice. And then he goes on to say that you put so many rules on people that finally you don't get into heaven and you hinder them. And in verse 52, he says, Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves and those who were entering in you hindered. So they had taken away the key of knowledge, of of scriptural truth. And by their flawed interpretation of God's word and their man-made tradition, they didn't enter and they didn't let anyone else enter. So just imagine, even today, we, the ecclesia, many times we hinder others from going into the kingdom because of the way we misinterpret the word or we go into legalism or hypergrace, whatever it is, wrong doctrines, we hinder them. So it's so true that we need to be aware of that. And another uh, portion of scripture that I'd like to take is in Matthew's gospel, chapter 10, where Jesus gives the disciples authority and he tells them, uh, go, preach the gospel and you uh, heal the sick. And in verse 7 and 8, he says, and as you go preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, Cast out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Wow. So he's telling them, go and preach the gospel. And then heal the sick. And because you preach the kingdom. The kingdom, when it's preached, all this will be go along with it. Healings will happen. Demons will flee. That is the way. Even the, in Acts, we see that. And he said, freely you have received. Freely give. Just imagine, we have the key. And God has given it so freely to us, but we are just preventing others from getting it because of our unbelief, because we don't think these keys are worth anything. Yeah? So we need to, when you use the keys of the kingdom, you become a portal or gateway for the things of God. So we all know that we've got the keys. You better use it. And I was just thinking, what do we need to be able to use these keys? And I found, I was thinking of, there may be many things, but there are nine things that I feel that we really need to use these keys. And the first thing is a true revelation of who Jesus is. In Matthew, that's a verse that uh, Matthew 16, uh, a key verse uh, from verses 13 to 17. I'll read that. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So Caesarea Philippi was a place where there were more Gentiles. There were hardly any Jews. And there was a lot of worship of the God of nature. And it's in that scenario but Jesus asks them, who do you think I am? Who do people think I am? And Peter says, and the disciples said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and then others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But, and so they knew that he was a powerful prophet. They knew because uh, Elijah, Jeremiah, John the Baptist, they had a mighty word from God. And uh, they were reformists. 
but they were not Jesus. That is what everyone thought. And then Jesus asks them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Wow. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. I think every day Jesus asks us, who do you think I am? In every situation we go through, there are many times when I've felt fearful, I've done things fearfully, and the Lord would probably say, who do you think I am? Whatever your problem is, whatever the mountain you are facing, you have to remember, who is this Lord? Who is this Lord? Who is the Lord? Who is he to you? And it's when, when he is smaller than your problems that your problems overtake you. But when you understand that revelation of who he is, so I think that's a daily, every day, everything we face, every person you're sharing the word, the gospel to, you have to think, is it good enough? Then the Lord will say, who do you think I am? Am I good enough to be talked about? And the Lord is asking us, you need that revelation. So you need to have a revelation of who Jesus is, and you need to have a revelation of who you are. We're not orphans. We are sons and daughters of the living God. And I just keep on thinking about the story of the prodigal son and I'm about the elder brother. I think I think more about the elder brother because I've been in the church for a long time. So I just think sometimes, Lord, let me never be like the elder brother who was in the kingdom, in the church, knowing that his father, you know, had everything, but just never really enjoying it because he didn't have the keys. And I just think, Lord, when I finish this race, let me not be like the elder brother who was good, who did everything, but he didn't know how to use the keys. Huh? So the first thing is our revelation of who Jesus is and who we are. And the second thing I thought was faith. Hebrews 11:6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I love this verse because it just stirs up my faith. Because when I have a, a healing problem, when I'm sick, and sometimes I just feel, oh, I've prayed so much, I'm not being healed. And then the Lord says, if you come to me, you need to believe that I hear, that I'm a rewarder of those who diligently seek me. And that stirs me up, and I receive that healing. If you take an instance of, of the story of the centurion that most of us know, Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 to 13. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. So this is a Gentile. But he comes to Jesus and says, Lord. So he's probably heard about him, that this man does miracles. And he says, my servant is paralyzed. Some Bible scholars say that this is actually his son. We don't know. But anyway, he was so desperate and he wanted that healing. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Wow, what a reply. And when Jesus heard it, 
He marveled. He didn't just smile. He marveled. He was so astonished and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. I was thinking, there are so many instances where people came in faith, but I don't think Jesus marveled like he did here. There are one or two instances where Jesus marveled. And I was thinking, why? What is so different here? This man understood the key, the keys of the kingdom, how faith operates, and how, as he he knew that, okay, in my workplace, this is how it works. Uh, if uh, people listen to me, people under me, and I listen to people above me, the same way, if Jesus just says the word, the, de- the my uh, servant will be healed. So he knew the principle, and Jesus said, wow. So just imagine, if you knew the principle of faith in using those keys, Jesus will marvel about each one of us, and we say, ah, what faith this person has. See, uh, it, it, he's still, you know, waiting for us to respond in that way. And for Jesus to marvel for in such a situation. And he says that, that uh, many will come from other places, from east and west into the kingdom. But those here will, be, will not, will miss out. And then he heals a man. So faith is such a key for uh, using the key, for such a, uh, a necessity for using the keys of the kingdom. And the next thing is a desire for the things of the kingdom. In Luke chapter 12, Verse 29 to 32, it says, Do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I just love that. I just... Noted the last verse recently. I think, okay, he's saying that we all know about seeking the kingdom first. But he's saying that, do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is God's will that he give us a kingdom. But he's saying, you seek the things of the kingdom, and then things will open up. So I know in these, this season, when you read the news, when you see things around you, uh, everything looks so dismal. Everything looks so negative. But the Lord is telling us as the Ecclesia, don't focus on those things. Just seek my kingdom. And I will show you what I'm going to do with my Ecclesia. You will not be able to imagine. I believe in these times, God is going to do mighty things through us if we seek his kingdom first. And everything else be second. So, so don't, I know we're all going to come against problems one after the other. But keep your focus on the kingdom. And when you seek it, you will have openings to the you the, you'll get the, you'll be able to use that key to open new things and the next thing is willingness to serve with what you have how many always remember about the five loaves and and the two fish how many of you have five loaves and two fish could you raise your hands very few five loaves and two it's so easy for us to have just just the little that we have is enough to serve the lord God never does anything out of, you know, especially through us, out of nothing. He will say, what do you have? Many times he tells the disciples, what do you have? Or even if you look in the book about how Elijah and Elisha worked, they would say, what do you have? They would ask the widow, what do you have with you? Show that. 
They would do, they would multiply from what they had. And, and, and our tendency is to say, I don't have anything really good. I'm just going to hide this. It's not good enough. But the Lord is saying, no, what you have, just show me, and I will multiply it. So we need to be willing to serve with what we have. Um, and I was just thinking about how in the wilderness, um, the Israelites were asked to give their offerings to build the tabernacle. I was thinking, if it were me, I would think, I need this money. When I go there, I need to build a house. I need to do this. I need to do that. But they just started giving. And they gave from whatever they had to the point that the Lord told them. Moses finally said, please tell the people, stop. Stop giving. We have enough. So just imagine, in the wilderness, they were able to give enough to make that beautiful tabernacle with so much gold and so many beautiful clothes and all that. And how much more can we give now? We don't have to look at, you know, the situation or the circumstance we are. But we need to know that, Lord, I'm willing to give what I have. So we need to be willing to serve with what you have. So till now, what did we, what did we say? First thing, you need to have a revelation of who Jesus is. And second thing, we need faith. We need faith. Then we need uh, a desire for the things of the kingdom. And fourthly, a willingness to serve with what we have. And the next thing is, we need an urgency to share the gospel. The Lord is telling each one of us, can you share with one person every week or every day to share the gospel? Because unless we share, God cannot do anything else. If you look at the life of Peter, yes, God gave him the keys also. And Peter, in the book of Acts, he had the biggest evangelistic meeting with 3,000 people coming to the Lord. And later on, if you see in Acts 10, how Jesus, I mean, uh, God used Peter to open the door to the Gentiles. So the Lord is waiting for each of us to share the gospel without any prejudice, just to go ahead and God will bless that. Yeah? So we need, have, we need to have that urgency to share the gospel. And the next is forgiveness. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 to 15. It says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Forgiveness is so so important for us to operate the keys. And many of us forget that. You will be probably praying for some breakthroughs for years, but there may be some forgive, unforgiveness in your heart. And the Lord says, forgive. If you look in that, uh, in Matthew, this is after the, the model prayer that Jesus gives for us. Soon after that, he's saying, now forgive others. In the prayer, he says, pray that you may be forgiven. Forgive as, I, as you were forgiven. And I, soon after the prayer, he's saying, forgive. Forgiveness is so important. I remember a story where, I'm not, it's a real incident, uh, an auntie whom, uh, who was very uh, committed to the Lord. So she was saying that in the place where she stayed, uh, a particular lady of another faith had a stroke. And uh, so she just went there to visit her. She didn't know what to share, what to say. But the Lord told, uh, told her to pray, and she was about to pray, but when she, just before praying, she saw an image, an image of this lady standing alone and so many other people standing another side. So she, she was wondering, what is this? This lady is standing alone. And she asked this lady, do you have any problem with some relatives? 
And that lady said, yes, I have a family uh, property issue where my father gave me the property and everyone else is against me. And so this auntie said, "Um, you should forgive them. You should forgive them. And initially she said, no, no, I have not done anything against them. They have hurt me. But she said, no, you have to forgive. And that lady, she forgave uh, those people and she accepted the Lord that night. And then the auntie went away. Two days later, she just went to visit that. A few days later, she went to visit the house just to find out. And this lady had got up and she came to greet her at the door. And she said, a miracle happened. That night, after I had forgiven those people, the Lord appeared to me. Someone in white. I know it's Jesus. He came to my bed and I just jumped up. And I was just seeing the power of forgiveness. The power of forgiveness. And it's not easy. I know that many of us will be hurt in different situations. But the Lord is saying, I have forgiven you. You need to forgive. And I say, especially in marriages, uh, we need to walk together. The husband and wife need to walk together. You may, may not be agreeing in everything, but it's so important for us to walk in forgiveness, in love. And I can tell you that when the husband and wife stand together, Uh, in one accord, the key of the family opens up. The key over your generations open up. And the enemy cannot touch that. And so many people don't understand that. But it's when you, because there is a godly order, when the husband and wife come together and pray, hell cannot prevail against you. I know because my husband and me in every many situations we stand together and we pray. And I've seen how the enemy has just moved away. Just moved away. Your generations will be blessed if you walk in that forgiveness. So forgiveness is so important to open the key. And the next is humility. If you look at Isaiah 22, that that particular portion of scripture in Isaiah 22, Shebna was actually the steward of the house of Hezekiah. It was King Hezekiah's time. And King Hezekiah was a good man, a good king. But Shebna was a very proud man. And you know what Shebna did? He built a tomb for himself, a huge monument um, there. And because he was said, okay, it, it was a prestige issue. And Isaiah prophesied to him and said, why are you building this? You are going to be taken into the, as an exile into the, another land. And there's no point of you building this. But Shebna didn't care because he was too proud. And then it's the next verse that the Lord says, take the key away from Shebna. And I'm going to give it to Eliakim. Because the, the keys to that, that kingdom, to that temple, was in Shebna's hand. And he says, I'm going to take it from him because of his pride. And I'm going to give it to someone more honorable. And that is Eliakim. So just imagine, the keys can be taken away from us when we walk in pride course, we know in Satan's story, the keys were taken away. So we need to walk in humility. And the next is we need to walk in love. Mark 12. In Mark 12, we see a scribe coming to Jesus. And uh, the scribe is asking Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus tells him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. And the scribe listens to him and says, Yes, teacher, you have said a good thing. And it is more important to love the Lord and to love others than to give sacrifices and burnt offering. And then Jesus replies to him and says in the verse 34, 
Now, when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom. This is a man who had probably knew all the traditions, but Jesus, when he understood the power of love, Jesus said, you are near the kingdom. Without love, we cannot operate any key. Jesus, when he healed anyone, he walked in compassion. You know, many times in ministry, you can end up doing a lot of things, and sometimes the love just takes a backseat. But the Lord is saying, I don't want you to minister like that. You need to walk in that compassion. So I check my heart. What am I doing this for as a duty? Or is it because of my compassion towards others? So check your heart. We need to walk in that love. If you take 1 John chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love has been perfected in us. So when we walk in love, God abides in us. And what does that mean? The kingdom is here. When God abides in us, the kingdom is in our hearts. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. So when we walk in love, God abides in us and his kingdom becomes so relevant to others. People just need to come near you and observe you and they will say, oh, these people walked in love. I know uh, for, the, for, for a season, uh, my husband and me were taking care of our father, my, his father and um, he passed away last month. And uh, I was, it was a season where we had to pay so much attention to him and take care of him. And, but it's only after that season got over, a lot of our friends who, are not, who don't know Jesus would say, that is your testimony, more than your preaching, what you did. And I was surprised. It's because people see whether you walk in love. Your preaching doesn't matter to many people. How did you walk in that situation? And not one, so many people came up to us and said, and I was thinking, my God, people are watching. So if we don't walk in love, our preaching is in vain. So love is such a key, such an important thing to open these doors of the kingdom. And finally, but not least, prayer. Charles Spurgeon said, to pray is to enter the treasure house of God and to gather riches out of an inexhaustible storehouse. So just think of yourself as a child. When you pray, you're going into a treasure house and you want everything. And the Lord is saying, it's yours. But just get into that treasure house. So many of us don't pray because we don't understand that there is a treasure house before us to get these things. And the Lord is saying, get into that treasure house. It's all yours for the kingdom. Yeah. Uh, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, it says, in part of the Lord's prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, on earth as it is in heaven. It is, we need to pray that God's kingdom comes God's will be done every time. I know initially my prayers were, bless me, thank you, please help me, Lord. But as the time went by, now our prayers are, your kingdom come, your will be done. Because his will is better than our will. His plans are better than our plans. We can never imagine the things that God has in store for us. But he's saying, just pray that, pray that your kingdom come, your will be done. And it will be done here. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, it says, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word 
to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. When we pray, doors are open for the word of God. Doors are open into your life. Doors are open into your children's life. Doors are open for your generation. Oh, yes. As, you know, as parents, uh, there's a limit. There's, a, there's this much you can do for your children. But you, when you pray, there is no limits. There is no limits. Whatever, the, even if the seas, are across, seas separate you from your child or your loved ones, that prayer just reaches and it's the key that opens up everything for those for your children hallelujah that is the power of prayer uh, jonathan edwards uh, was a man of god who led the great awakening the first great awakening and he says there is no way that christians in a private capacity can do so much to promote the work of god and advance the kingdom of christ as by prayer it is one of the most powerful things to use as a key to open the doors. And I believe in this season that we are. There are many things that we can't do physically, but we can pray. We can pray here that the war will stop. We can pray here that the children will be safe. We can pray. Actually, last night, I just got up at 2 o'clock and I just woke up thinking about all the, the Indians stuck there. Because we know people there who are still stuck. And I just prayed. I said, Lord... Yes, if you want my prayer now, I'm praying. And just as when the Lord gives you that response, I just prayed in the night. I said, Lord, let those children come back safely. So the Lord is just waiting for us to use, open those doors with the key of prayer. So prayer is such a powerful key, but it has to be backed up with revelation of who Jesus is, of revelation of who we are. It has to be backed up with the desire for the things of the kingdom, with faith a willingness to serve with what we have, an urgency to share the gospel, and a life of humility, forgiveness, and love. So I was just thinking that this all we need to use these keys. And my prayer today for each one of you and those watching, that you, you have the keys and understand that, but you need to know how to use those keys. The Lord is waiting for us to rise up and use those keys and open some doors that have been locked for years. And when those doors are open, no one can shut it. And there are some doors that are, need to be shut. Doors that allow evil in that we need to shut and no one can open. This is my prayer today. That in these days, we as a church will learn to know, to use these keys. And we will see miracles. We will see wonders. We will see many people coming to the Lord. This is our prayer. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Hallelujah, Lord. Just thank you, Lord, for what you have given us. Jesus, by your death and resurrection, you took authority and you gave us the keys. You gave us the keys that so many, the enemy covets those keys, but you have given it to us. And Lord, I just pray in these days that everyone listening to my words will be able to know how to use those keys, Lord. That you will give us a confidence to use those keys. And we learn to open doors. And through those doors, the kingdom of heaven will invade earth. The kingdom of heaven will invade Trivandrum. The kingdom of heaven will invade every place from which those people are joining 
guiding us. I believe that. I pray today also that healings will happen. Miracles will happen. I pray that strongholds will be broken because you have spoken the truth. And it is the truth that sets us free, Father Lord. Hallelujah. And I thank you for this word is very precious to us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to use your keys. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wicc.in.